0: This week, we're resharing one of our favorite episodes of the Single Tracks Podcast. If you've already heard this one, don't worry because we'll be back next week with an all new show. Are you enjoying the Single Tracks Podcast? Well, we could use your support. The small but dedicated Single Tracks team works hard to share the mountain bike information that inspires epic adventures through this podcast, our worldwide database of trail maps and photos, and daily news and reviews on the website. So, consider becoming a monthly, annual, or lifetime pro supporter, and enjoy ad-free browsing on the website, free Tracks stickers in the mail, and discounts on merch for as little as $3 per month. Go to singletracks.com support to sign up, and to find out other ways you can help support our mission. That's singletracks.com support. Thank you, and happy trails. Backcountry.com is an online outdoor gear and apparel retailer carrying thousands of brands and products for mountain biking and your everyday outdoor lifestyle. Not only does Backcountry have the widest assortment of gear and apparel, but the heart and soul of the company lies with their Backcountry gearheads. These gearheads are former pro athletes, Olympians, and all-around experts that are available 24-7 by phone, email, and chat for one-on-one service, product recommendations, and to ensure you have everything you need for your next outdoor adventure. Go to www.backcountry.com and use the code singletracks15 to get 15% off your first purchase. Some exclusions apply. That's backcountry.com. Check the show notes for the link and coupon code. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today my guest is Tinker Juarez. So, David Juarez, known to mountain bikers around the world as Tinker, is a two time Olympian, four time 24 solo series champ, and mountain bike hall of famer from California. He's been racing mountain bikes professionally for 31 years and continues to compete in ultra endurance racing at the highest level. Thanks for joining us, Tinker.
1: Well, it's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, there's a few more things we could add to that list (laughs) of uh, accomplishments. We'd be here all uh, day. (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, I've been racing for over 45 years um, because I did uh, BMX. I was in BMX for uh, 15 years and then I got into mountain biking around 86. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a hall of fame in the BMX two and, uh, also three-time world champion. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. Thanks for adding that. So you grew up in Downey, California, which is just East of Los Angeles. What was the local biking scene like there in the sixties and seventies when you're just getting started?
1: Well, um, Yeah. I grew up in a city in Norwalk, which was, uh, before Downing. And, uh, okay. Yeah. I grew up in Norwalk and there was a, uh, uh, a place that I used to ride after school. It was in a park called Hollyfield park. And, um, and we used to just meet up and, uh, meet up with my buddies and, uh, well, you know, my, my friends that I hung out with riding our BMX bikes and, uh, Mm -hmm. and we just used to ride there every day. And, uh, and so we just, yeah, yeah, it was kind of our, our hangout with our BMX bikes. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then, uh, then they started having a BMX race and that's kind of when BMX kind of started. There was really no races that I knew of at that time. So, uh, so, yeah. So I started racing at the local park and, uh, just continued racing every weekend. And then races were starting to pop up in all around different cities around my house and started hitting those up too.
0: Yeah. Did a lot of your friends race or was it like pretty clear early on that like you were faster than a lot of them?
1: Actually, my friends did race. Uh, we all kind of went to, uh, you know, their parents took them to the race and my mom took me every, week into the races. And, uh, and we just, you know, always used to just, you know, sometimes we'll show up all together. And, uh, but yeah, it was just something that I was pretty much hooked when I, when I started started riding bikes, you know, BMX racing was really fun. And, uh, it was a good family thing and my mom enjoyed it and my sisters came along and stuff like that. So, um,
0: yeah, that's cool. So when did you decide to make the switch from BMX to cross country mountain biking?
1: Well, as I was growing up in, and, uh, in BMX, I did, uh, at, at age 15, I turned pro and there was not a pro class in BMX at that time. And that was in 1975. And i was the youngest at that time, and so yeah, then I got into a professional team in b m x around seventy six with mongoose and uh from mongoose i rode with them for six years as a factory team and that was kind of like my big uh my big professional team in the b m x in my b m x career and then uh and then right around after the Mon- after mongoose uh after i think it was in eighty eighty one eighty two uh I got into uh i still had some bmx uh life in me and um uh, and then mountain biking came around it was a new bike and uh and i think i started around 80 i think 86 so uh so yeah i swapped and i got into mountain biking uh because it was i was you know feeling like i was getting too old for the bmx sport <sighs> and um yeah And so I, I got into a new, into a new sport and, uh, and that was mountain biking. And that just kind of started off from like, you know, a heavy bike with just, you know, rigid frame and, uh, toe straps and things like that. And, um, and, and I just kind of just got hooked with that because of, uh, it was just a fun sport. And, um, and then there was also racing starting to go on that. So it was just a good transition for me. Yeah. Just to swap over a bigger bike, more gears to choose from compared to my BMX days there was only one speed and now I had like uh seven speeds at that time maybe six
0: It's just hard to imagine going pro at anything at 15 years old Was that like an easy decision like was your mom on board with that to say like yeah go for it or was it or was it just kind of on the side initially where you're like I'm I'm going to school and I'm gonna see where this BMX thing takes me
1: Right at that time, it was a pretty easy decision because when I was racing from age thirteen to fifteen, I was all of a sudden starting to win everything in my age class. I moved up from like a beginner level to a pro or expert level, and within those uh, three or four years, and then um, and then there was there was some money involved in the BMX racing at age fifteen, and I thought, wow, you know, we won some win a little bit of cash, you know, for first place, instead of getting a trophy, you know, I, I've probably, yeah, I was probably won like over seven or 800 trophies, um, in my BMX career. I don't know if I won that many between that age and 15, but I was racing BMX my whole career. And I was, you know, I was always winning trophies. So, yeah, I, I I wish I would have taken care of my trophies, but, uh, but growing up as a kid, we didn't know how to take care of much, you know, (laughs) we just kind of, just kind of threw him in the back or put him somewhere and, you know, didn't have any, any thoughts of putting them in, you know, trying to save them for the, maybe, uh, in the future or something.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you'd need like a warehouse or something to hold them all anyway. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was nice. And you know, doing what, you know, when I turned pro at age 15 and I got with Mongus in 86 and, um, and then I was all of a sudden getting a contract. Mm-hmm. So it was a good time, you know, to turn pro and then at 16, with Mongoose. Um, I was, you know, making money, uh, with the team salary. So I was in high school making money and, uh, in traveling and, uh, yeah, it was, it was just trying to learn how to be a professional at that time was, uh, kind of the, the key thing for me.
0: Yeah. Well, what was it like racing in the 1996 Olympics? You know, that was the first year that mountain biking was an Olympic sport. Uh, what, what was that like for you?
1: Oh, wow. It was, uh, it was very exciting. It was, uh, probably a lot of stress cause it was something, um, bigger than my, you know, biggest thing I ever done in my career. And, uh, I knew, I, I didn't know much about the Olympics or anything like that. I mean, I watched it on TV and stuff, but to be a part of it was, uh, it was, it was, quite, it was a big honor for sure. Yeah, It was, uh, a lot of pressure for me because at that time mountain biking was growing so big and it was really exploding at that time and uh and so I was getting a, a lot of attention before the race uh you know a lot of big hopes for me and um so yeah it was a lot of pressure and it was kind of it was kind of it was it was exciting but it was also stressful too at that time for my age yeah you know i mean it was you know i didn't know you know i didn't know you know what to expect or you know, how I was going to do, I was hoping I was going to do well, but, uh, um, it, it went, it started off. Okay. You know, I mean, qualifying for the Olympics at that time I did really, you know, I was having a, my best years in my, in my mountain bike career. Mm -hmm. I mean, I won everything. I was national number one. I was, you know, ranked up there in the UCI as the best American and, and all that. So it was, it was really nice to be picked, you know, first to make it on the team Mm Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, yeah. So it was, it was exciting being there, you know, at the, at the games, you know,
0: Did you like do the opening ceremonies and everything? Did you go out and, and march with the team? No,
1: no, I actually, I wish I would have, you know, the first Olympics, I did not get too involved with any of the other events that were going on. Um, when I made it to Sydney, I did do the Opening ceremony. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think I want to want one, one other event to watch and stuff like that. But, um, yeah. but the first glimpse, I think I just kind of, like I said, I kind of just folded a little bit, you know, it just took <laughs> me away. You know, I didn't really go into it with, you know, not being comfortable and relaxed, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, you're easily one of the most recognizable riders out on the race course. Every time, you know, you show up at the starting line. So are you able to use that to your advantage or are there drawbacks? Like, are people kind of gunning for you? They're like, Oh, Tinker's here. Like I gotta, I gotta really put out a big effort or.
1: I don't know. You know, I think, you know, after my long career, um, it seems like, you know, you know, it's nice to be still, you know, be a big threat in a race, you know? And, uh, but you know, I, I, I'm just you know I'm just excited just to be a part of them you know just going to the races you know nowadays um i I get invited to races and uh and so that's that's really you know for me that's just a big honor just to be uh getting my expense getting everything covered to go to races now and people still enjoy watching me races and uh in the places they race at or, uh you know people know that I'm coming, so they're excited to get against me and I know they're all wanting to beat me so uh so, you know, there's no question about that and everybody's, you know, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a big, it's a, you know, I'm, I'm still quite, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just very excited that people still want me to come to the races and, uh, and, you know, places I go to, is still, uh, it's still a growing, you know, it's still growing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm here in California, you know, it's kind of, it's growing and it's kind of outgrown. And, uh, but when I go to other places, people are, you know, still want like, me as a legend to show up, you know, because they're excited that I'm still doing it at my, you know, especially at my age now.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you have so many fans, you know, having raced for so long and just, I think your personality too, you know, from what people can gather, they're excited to see you. D- does that like before the race or people coming up to you and patting you on the back, like does, is that distracting or, or do you feed off of that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I kind of, I do. I, I've actually enjoyed that because then it just takes my mind off. My, you know, just, you know, getting ready to race. You know, I'm more relaxed when I get people asking for, you know, a photo or something like that. Um, you know, I, it's still, I don't understand why they want a picture with me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's better, better-looking people than me around. But it's fine. You know, I enjoy it. You know, it, it, it definitely uh, it takes my mind off, the, the you know, the race because I already know that I'm here to do what I have to do, just ride my best. You know, I mean, that's all I could do. Um, and people are excited no matter how I do, you know, so, uh, so that kind of gives me more motivation where I need, I feel like I want to do good for them, you know, because I'm here.
0: Yeah. Well, what do you make of the bike industry's recent push for more diversity in our sport?
1: I think it's great. You know, it's helping me out because, uh, it's not just focusing on one thing. You know, I mean, I, I was for my whole career in the beginning, it was all about cross country racing and, um, and then, you know, a lot of other things started, uh, happening endurance racing, uh, enduro racing, uh, trials going, I mean, not trials, but, uh, cycle cross in the winter. Now gravel bikes is really coming in strong. And, uh, so I, I really think that the sport needs it, you know, I, you know, uh, cross country is, uh, it's not, you know, it's, it's still a a big part of everybody, you know, I mean, it's still a big part in the sport, but I think there's a lot of other things that are happening that are, that are starting to, uh, do really well too. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, you know, I've been doing endurance for the, for a while now, a long while, and I'm lucky that there's always endurance races to choose from in the calendar. Mm -hmm. You know, there's races all the way up to, uh, to November, you know, with endurance racing and, and now gravel racing is happening and, and, you know, I'm getting invited to do gravel racing. So I'm excited about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I enjoy gravel racing cause I train, you know, probably 90% of my training is on, uh, my road bike. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So when I get on a gravel bike, if I feel, you know, you know, pretty much right on, you know, at home, you know, cause I do so much road training and I think I do a lot of road training more because I live, you know, I'm only about twenty, eighteen 18 miles from the mountains, uh, from a, dr- you know, driving. So I ride there and, uh, and it's, I don't, you know, need to use my car. I could just ride my road bike to the mountains. And I, that's kind of like what I do on my long rides mm-hmm. and I do a loop in the mountains and I ride back and, uh, yeah. So I, I think gravel racing has been, you know, it's been a really, uh, a really fun thing for me to do, uh, I'm still looking for the certain kind of gravel racing I like to do. I'm not a a pure flat kind of racer and, uh, I'm still more, I've always enjoyed climbing and, uh, if if there's climbing and gravel racing, then I, I, I'm always, you know, excited about doing those.
0: Yeah. Are you seeing, uh, different types of riders at these gravel events? Like, you know, we've, we've heard that it's more women are interested in gravel because maybe, uh, they, had felt or beginner riders as well had felt sort of uncomfortable riding on the road and, you know, getting away from cars and things like that. Are you seeing these new disciplines sort of attracting a slightly different field?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, I, I, go to gravel races now and I, I, there's a lot of faces I don't recognize. Uh, there's new faces and, uh, and I think a lot of people like it because, uh, road to them is just dangerous. And, um, and you know now that gravel racing is coming in, they feel much more comfortable on roads that are all dirt and no cars and things like that. And uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why I think gravel racing is doing really well. And I think a lot of states, there's a lot of gravel roads, and a lot of people have probably ridden gravel roads, and uh, and they feel safer on their on their gravel bikes than they do on the street. I'm pretty lucky. I mean, I I, I always you know want to hope that I make it back home every day, but <laughs> right. I, I, I tried, I try my best to pick the safest and the safest routes on my road rides. And, um, and, and then picking my time, I think it's a good time to ride at this time. And, uh, cause people are at work or they're at home, but you know, when you, you know, a lot of people don't get that chance to ride at, you know, pick their times. And, uh, and so when they have to ride is usually after work and that's when traffic is, you know, pretty stressful at that time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I, 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 I understand, I totally understand about, uh, you know, why roads are so dangerous and there's just so many cars and and people don't pay attention to us. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you just got, I, I just try to, you know, just be as safe as I can. And that's all I could do.
0: Yeah. I read, uh, an interview that you did a year or two ago where you're talking about, um, when you lived in central Florida briefly and, and riding on the road there was particularly uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was a very, uh, scary moment of my career riding on the road at Orlando. Hmm. But, you know, that's where I I met my wife at and, you know, I decided to, you know, live there for a year and we decided to move back to California. So it was, yeah, it was a good trade-off. Yeah. Right on. Um, Yeah. You know, it was, you know, the roads out there weren't as, you know, as, as wide open it is here in California. You know, we have streets that are, you know, four or five lanes, you know, sometimes. So, you know, so there's plenty of space for cars to, uh, maneuver around us and stuff like that. But I still see a lot of cyclists that ride in groups. I just think they could just hog up one lane and street and stuff like that. And, uh, I'm just Mm -hmm. glad I don't ride group rides because I, I, (laughs) I, I I think guys on the road, on road bikes still think that, you know, cars are not going to, you know, want to wipe you out, (laughs) you you know, so, yeah, so i yeah, so I, I'm, I've i always rode solo um, because, you know, um, most of the professional or any cyclists are, they live in different parts of the city, and I don't think LA is one of their choices of training for, for cycling. So, um, but I've lived here my whole career, and I've, I've chosen to make it, you know, my, uh, my stomping grounds, and that's kind of what I, you know.
2: Yeah,
0: well, I want to ask you about winning big mountain bike races is, is it in your mind, is it more of a physical challenge or, or is it about mental strength? And and do you think that you excel at one of those more than maybe the other?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I, uh, I just try to train every day and I, I try to go to the races and, uh, and I, I try to think that every race I'm going to do great at. And, uh, but it's, it's just harder now as my age. Um, I think we just, I don't know. It seems like I get, uh, less breaks than I used to when I was younger. You know, I mean, it's some days you just wake up and it's just, your body is just not going to function 100% and, and you just do your best. And, uh, so yeah, I wish, I wish I could have, you know, my body work exactly the way I want it to work on race day, but it's just some days that it's, it just doesn't want to, you know, yeah, you know, be on fire, you know? So, yeah.
0: Is that because the, that you can't trick your body? I mean, is it like the body is, is the thing that's really in control or?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think for sure. My body is definitely in control. Um, (laughs) I wish I could just wake up, you know, I think one of the best kind of riding that normally when I have good rises, when I get, um, a good amount of sleep and, uh, and I realize at my age that if I don't get that good amount of sleep, then I'm going to pay, kind of pay the price at the race in the morning. Um, And it just takes that one night, you know, so it's really hard to think that, you know, you, you want to hope that you're going to get that full six to, you know, seven hours of sleep before race, you know, before the morning. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of hard to make that happen, you know, and, uh, I don't, you know, as my age is, it seems like, uh, you know, the body just doesn't, you know, want to do what (laughs) you want it to do. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, sleep is crucial, you know, for me as I, you know, as I gotten older, I mean, when I was younger, I think that's, I never even thought about sleep that much. I just woke up and raced and then I was always fine. You know, I always seemed to be fired up and everything's ready to go. But now it just seems like, you know, one, one bad, uh, one bad night. And it just, you know, it seems like that's going to really hurt you in your race.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you about that rest as well. You know, your r- race calendar tends to be super full every year, seemingly. So what's your recovery routine look like?
1: Yeah. So normally, uh, yeah. Uh, with the full schedule, um, my training, I, d- I, you know, usually, uh, a few days before a race and stuff like that, like on a Monday I'll, I'll kind of do one, you know, medium hard ride. And then from Monday, from the rest of the week till travel day, you know, like if it's on Thursday, I usually take off, I'm always just, just, uh, doing maybe two hour rides, at least two hours every day.
0: Even on your re- sort of the days you're leading up to a race, like that's a, that's an easy ride for you is two hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Normally just two hours before. And, uh, and then the day of the race, uh, if it's a long distance, if it's a hundred mile race or whatever, uh, I might go out for at least an hour before the, r- uh, this a day before the race, huh. I don't do a whole lot, you know, if, building up to the race. I don't really, the only time I take off is when I'm traveling on a plane Mm -hmm. and when I arrive, I'll take off that travel day. And then the next day, if it's Friday, I'll go for a, just to kind of shake up the legs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, from just from traveling, you know, from the plane or whatever. Mm
0: -hmm. What about the day after a ride? Like you go all out, you win the race. What's Sunday look like?
1: Yeah. Sometimes it's good to get a ride in, but normally that's usually the travel day. So, um, yeah, usually I travel home the very next day. Uh, um, and if I am there for a full day, then I'll definitely go for a recovery ride. It's just going on the road or whatever. I won't go, you know, off-roading or anything like that. Yeah. I'll just spend the legs or whatever. Uh, it could be, you know, another hour or two hour ride again.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you like reward yourself too? Do you like, I don't know, eat a big, big bowl of ice cream or something or, or do you stick to your routine pretty, pretty well?
1: yeah that's something I'm really still um wanting to work on is is dieting now um I've gotten lucky for all my career and uh just you know weight was, in, uh, it' was always been on my mind mm-hmm. but I never could get down to the weight I used to been you know you know twenty years ago right. you know I'd like to be at one thirty five at you know stay at one thirty five but now it's just staying at one forty is tough you know hmm. so yeah so i i've but you know I, it seems like it's it hasn't really hurt me that much, but I could, uh, I could definitely feel it on a bad day or a race day that my, my, I'll start to, you know, think about my weight. I'll start to think about all kinds of things, you know, (laughs) why am I having this bad day? You know? Yeah. You know, why did I eat that? Why did I eat so much? And, you know, so everything will hit you at one time, you know, Hmm. when things don't go good. But, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, if I was to race in my category and my, uh, in my age category or something like that, I wouldn't worry about my weight. I mean, I, I, I could hands down still do really well in my age class. I'm, you know, pretty much, you know, I've seemed like I usually have a, no problem winning all the time. Um, uh, but when I race at the open class and the elite class, you know, I'm always, you know, there's always going to be a, a few guys out there that are going to be, uh, lean and mean and, and ready just to tear me apart if they can. And, 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 you know, so, uh, And then I start to wonder, I wish I was, you know, like a little bit leaner right now so I could pedal up these hills a little bit faster and stuff like that. But I'm just trying to enjoy it. You know, I'm going to try not to, uh, you know, get all down on myself, you know?
0: Well, yeah, you're focusing on the things that you can do something about. I mean, obviously your age is not something, you know, the, the younger guys are, they're going to be younger than you no matter what, but you can, can control your training and your diet and your recovery and all that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I I think, you know, because I train so hard, I, I kind of think that it's okay to keep on eating as much as you want, but it's always, you know, it's, but it's just, you know, like a yo-yo, you know, like the next day you got to work hard just to kind of get your weight back down Mm. and then you get back and then you eat again. And it's just like up and down, you know, but your weight, my weight never changes because I never really changed my diet. So yeah, but um, I'm going to try to work on it. You know, it's something that I I need to work on. I, I, there's, you know, I know I could cut calories here and there, uh, you know, slow down on bread eating, and slow down on you know certain you know maybe cut down on beer and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yep. You know, having a beer sponsor and getting all the beer you want is kind of hard to say. Oh, <laughs> one beer only. Um, you know, so yeah, and and then with the weather being so you know freaking hot here, uh, and you're going out there and just you know sweating like you know like a pig, so. You know, you want to come home and just, you know, kind of reward yourself with a cold beer or something, you know, so.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, for me, I think for a lot of us, that that's what keeps us going is, you know, during the ride, we're thinking about how are we going to reward ourselves at the end? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So as long as I'm able to stick with my work and stick with my training, uh, you know, diet is probably my weakness of anything, you know, I mean, I think I do really well on my training. I, I train every day. I love riding and, you know, um, and I don't think it's really, that's my weak point. My weak point has always been, you know, probably my diet.
0: Well, you've, you know, raced in some pretty incredible races over your career and you're, you're still doing it. A lot of these really in ultra endurance races like La Ruta, uh, the race across America, 24 hour solo races. What's been the most difficult mountain bike race you've competed in?
1: Uh, well, you know, um, when I think about 24 hour racing now, when I used to do them, I, I, I think about it now, I, I couldn't see how it was possible for me to do them now. I yeah, I really, it was really, like I said, it was all in the head when you're, when you're ready to do something, you know, and your, your mind is set, you, you know, you could do it. So back then I was excited about doing 24 hour racings and I was, you know, I had my schedule and I had like four or five of them a year. And, and I was, you know, ready for them. And, uh, but you know, I, I, now that I think back and how I, you know, you know, how I was able to do it it is pretty, you know, it blows me away that I was able to do so many races and, uh, and now I can, I, you know, I have a hard time thinking of doing a 12 hour race.
0: (laughs) Right. I, I imagine like just that first lap, I mean, even back when you were into it and you could get excited about it, I just imagine that first lap and thinking, oh my gosh, like for the next 23 and a half hours, like this is what I'm going to be doing.
1: Yeah. It was pretty crazy. And I did a lot of them. So, uh, I, I was, it, you know, I'm really happy that I did them. And, uh, and it's just something that I, I'm, you know, now that I look back, I'm just like blown away that I've done so many of them. So, um, so yeah, you know, so it's, it's just, it's just, you know, determination, you know, um, whenever you put your mind into something, you know, um, It seems like when I do that, I, uh, you know, I'm always ready to do it. I'm up for the challenge.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you about 24 hour racing in particular, because that race format is clearly not as popular as it once was. And it sounds like, you know, (laughs) you don't really miss competing in, in those necessarily, but do you miss sort of that? race scene or were you even part of the race scene? I mean, I guess you didn't really get to enjoy like hanging out with people and, you know, a lot of the stuff people associate with 24 hour racing, but, but yeah, are are you sad that it's not a big thing anymore?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. there's a, you know, it's kind of strange that I still go to races, you know, now and people always said, I, Oh, I remember you at the 24 hour race when you used to go by me and lap me and stuff like that and it 's still brought up, so I think a lot of people do miss that that sport um i I think it 's you know it 's sad to see it go, but you know there 's always something that 's kind of backing it up you know i mean for me i 'm just glad that i wasn 't counting on my twenty four hour racing to be my full time career so uh mm. so now it 's you know now the big thing is for me it 's just you know long distance racing and uh and there 's a lot of those, and there 's a lot of gravel racing so um you know it's it 's it is sad to see that go. Um, but you know, I think Tucson is about the only strong one that's going on, um, the old Pueblo and, uh, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I've done enough of those. So I have no interest (laughs) in doing those anymore either or showing up, but it it still looks like it it reminds me of, you know, all the 24 hours, you know, um, that's how it used to be. It was just like a small little city for the, for the weekend and people having a good time that are not racing and, And, uh, and yeah, I I think it was, was, that was why I enjoyed the 24 hour racing. It was just the atmosphere, Mm -hmm. you know, the energy that I got from people going during the day, just seeing people pedaling their bikes during the night, yeah, you know, three o'clock in the morning (laughs) and stuff like that. It was, uh, you know, so that was what kept me going. I mean, that was, you know, if they could do it, I could do it too.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but I'm, I'm still curious to know sort of the basics of how you train for these ultra endurance races. I mean, it seems like to a lot of people probably is just like, well, just ride your bike all day and, and then you'll, you'll get good at riding for a long time, but it's gotta be more complicated than that. Right? Like, so what, what does that look like for you during the week?
1: Yeah. I mean, I do have a way of, you know, I push myself, you know, I know how to push myself from just competing my whole career. Mm hmm just knowing what I, you know, how I should set my pace on my rides. So, um, when I'm riding, you know, um, it looks like I'm, you know, like kind of going at race pace a little bit on my road bike, you know, I'm averaging over 20 miles an hour, most of the ride, you know, so, uh, um, so I'm always, you know, you know, I mean, if it's a headwind, then I might be dealing with, you know, slowing, you know, the pace will slow down a little bit, but I'm kind of pushing through the headwind, but I'm always just, you know, keeping my engine high, you know, I'm always pedaling hard all the way to the mountains. Uh, I got these times that I kind of, you know, pay attention to, you know, if I get to, uh, get to the mountains under an hour, uh, like about, you know, 50 minutes or something, then it's a good time for me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm only pushing hard, you know, um, and uh, people probably look at me kind of strange. I kind (laughs) of, you know, they probably go, what the heck is that guy going? So, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know, it looks like I'm like attacking or pushing hard for some reason and they don't understand, but that's just how, you know, how I ride. Um,
0: yeah, they're like, who's um, chasing this guy? Why is he? Yeah.
1: Why is he pushing so yeah, hard? Is he know? in danger? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so yeah. And then when I see people, I kind of use that as a, you know, as, uh, on a bicycle or something, I, 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 I try to see how long it takes me to catch up with them. And, and when I do catch up with them, I go by them. And, and the same thing on the climbs too. Uh, you know, I know that I have to be pushing pretty fast, you know, if you got to, if I'm going up a climb at, you know, 10 miles an hour or faster than I'm thinking it's a good pace and stuff like that. So I don't, you know, I, I just kind of, you know, just know how I'm pushing that I'm pushing hard. And, uh, so, you know, that's kind of, you know, kind of how, how I know I'm, you know, doing a hard ride you know, it's just how I'm pushing my pace, you know, you know, I don't, I don't slack around. I, I want to get it done. I'm not thinking of, You know, I don't slow down too much only for stop signs or signals, you know, Mm -hmm. and, but I'm always just, you know, just going hard the whole way. Yeah. You know, and normally when you're riding with someone, you know, people are usually not thinking that riding that pace because they're riding together. You know, um, when I get to a signal, if I'm riding together, you know, I, I have to, you know, say, Hey, let's, you know, I have to tell them, let's go through this way or, you know, pass through the light if it's no cars and stuff like that. Right. Where am mine by myself, I do, you know, I just go by if it looks safe, I'm gonna go through it. I don't have to deal with telling anybody what I'm doing. So I try to keep the pace nonstop all the way till I get home. You know, so uh yeah, I mean that's kind of how I work it. Um
0: Yeah. You're a professional racer, and so I mean, obviously training and, and racing, that's your job. But is it is it like a nine to five? Is it like okay, I spend, you know, eight hours a day either on the bike or like doing strength stuff, or is it, is it not that much time commitment? I guess that's, that's what I'm curious about.
1: Yeah. I, I, mean, it's, to me, it's like work, you know, I mean, I have to get on my bike every day. First of all, um, today, I, yesterday I did a four hour ride. Um, I did, um, I think like 71 miles or something like that. And today I'm, um, I'm going to do an easy ride. So I'm going to do, you know, two and a half hours. I'll do about 40, 41 you know at least over 40 miles today on a you know pretty you know try to keep my pace up to about 20 you know a pace where i feel comfortable at you know um and you know because i need to have something to shoot for after i mean when i go on my hard ride i want to go faster than 20 so at least at if i'm doing a recovery ride and i could stay at around 20 that's a pretty good speed for a recovery ride so yeah so i kind of just i got to have some kind of goals you know so um easy rise i got to you know keep it at a certain you know pace and i only, i look at my speed i don't look at you know i don't do any cadence i don't do any heart rate i don't do any of that so my computer is my you know kind of my my thing that i always use as my uh as my tool hmm. you know just speed you know i look at my you know my speed if i if i'm only cranking at 17 miles an hour and i got to tell when that's really going slow
2: <laughs> right
1: you know? so so if I'm cranking, if I get a tailwind, I'll, I'll push it up, to, you know, even on an easy day, I'll push it up to 22, you know, miles an hour, you know, take advantage of a tailwind, you know, it's still, you're spinning, you know, and it's sort of, to me, I think of motor pacing, you know, um, you know, if you get a tailwind, you're kind of like getting a break and you're getting a, you know, kind of like a motor pacing ride. So uh, I think of it as a motor pacing ride, you know, take advantage of a uh, high cadence right now.
0: Yeah. Well, Tell us a little bit about the Tinker Classic Gravel Race and Grand Fondo. That's a relatively new event uh, that takes place in Utah, right?
1: Um, it's in Beatty.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, Beatty, Nevada. Um, um, yes, uh, Simron, which is a race promoter, uh, she came up with the idea of having a Tinker Classic. And uh, the only bad thing about it is, it's, you know, Beatty is just a, a, probably a few, maybe a few hundred people in this town. And and it's really far to the middle of nowhere. So uh, yeah, so anybody that wants to go to Beatty better love nature and better love the desert because that's all you're going to get. You know, you get cactus, you get tumbleweeds, you get maybe some donkeys out there, <laughs> and you know, you get some small, uh, small, uh, you know, nature out there, life but there ain't much. So, um, but it, I'm pretty thankful because it is not too far from Vegas, uh, maybe two hour drive from Vegas. So people from the Vegas come, but from California for me to drive all the way up there, it's a pretty long drive. It's almost four hours, five hour drive. And, uh, but I, like I say, it's, it's, you know, um, Simron was, uh, you know, she's a really good friend, a really good race promoter. She puts on, uh, puts on a lot of good races in, uh, in Utah. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to have the Tinker classic and Dave Spencer, Dave Spicer, which is the guy that owns a ranch. He's a really loves biking. And, and he opens his ranch because he has, he's made a lot of single tracks out there for people just to come, come to his, you know, his ranch and hang out and go and ride some single track and stuff like that. So, so there was really nothing that I had to, uh, devote except give my name. And, and, and try to show up, you know, to my own race. <laughs> right. So, uh, so yeah. So for me is, you know, I felt really thankful for her to even want to have a Tinker classic, you know? So, um, it's more like a, it, it turning, it's turning out more like a, a big group ride. Um, you know, it's not going to ever grow into, you know, attract hundreds of riders and stuff like that, but, uh, it is, it is a fun place. And, uh, you know, if you like riding, uh, in the desert, um, this is, you know, perfect place to do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's cool. I imagine. Yeah. Imagine the racing part is tough because who wants to come and compete against you? This your race, you know, it's like, wait, do we, do we let this guy win or do we, what do we do?
1: Yeah, it was, (laughs) we were talking about that. I won it the first three years and, uh, and I did get some pretty good competition and, uh, and, but it, you know, it it comes down to the endurance at the end and, uh, and that's where my strength kind of kicks in. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know some guys just push it really hard too hard in the beginning and i have to hang with them and i'm trying to think how long is this guy going to keep this pace and then i'm going to you know okay if you want to do the work go ahead and uh and as sooner or later they start to uh you know gear up one gear just because they're starting to pedal backwards a little bit and uh and then i start to feel that I, I start to feed on that when i know they're starting to hurt and then you know hopefully i have something at the end to uh beat them but uh we were planning this year just, to, uh, this time, just to not race as competitive, just hang out with the riders and ride with the group and, uh, and just talk about anything, you know, um, if they want tips, you know, or maybe I'll just pull them for a long while and, you know, and just, just, just have fun with the riders instead of, you know, you know, and uh, just hang out with them in the race, and, you know, and just see what they like to talk about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are you, you going to be able yeah. to do the race this year with coronavirus and everything
1: happening? Uh Unfortunately, it just got postponed uh probably less than two weeks ago. um They were hoping, but you know um just like everything, it just seems like it's just been a uh an avalanche of all the races you know if one race falls along, then the next race seems to cancel, and you know it just keeps on going on and uh but I do you know I'm lucky I have two races this month um I have a race next weekend in Georgia. Uh, the Fool's Code, and it's an NUE oh, cool. series. Yeah, And um, I'll be doing that. And then I'll have a race in North Dakota. And, and that's going to be a challenging race. It's going to be uh, something I'm not really good at is reading maps on my computer or <laughs> even downloading, yeah. downloading something and just following my map instead of looking for arrows and stuff. So, um, so I know that that's going to probably uh, not work well for me, but I'm hoping to follow the I'm hoping to chase the guy that won it in the past and, uh, and stay with him because he'll know how to use the computer better than me. And in case something happened with mine and I can't reset it or can't find the map and get back to the map and figure out where it's, you know, and I, it's going to be a disaster for me if I lose, you know, if I lose him in my race, because then I'm going to have to follow my own directions. And, uh, and if I don't see arrows or chalk marks or anything like that, I'm going to be in big trouble. So, but it'll be, it'll be something new. And I, hopefully I might, you know, learn something after, you know, after that weekend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good motivation to, to keep up with the the person in the front. So what is your secret for staying fast on the bike and continuing to not just compete, but beat riders who are half your age?
1: I, you know, I think it's just, you know, I've been lucky to be in the sports in the beginning and, uh, and, um, and being in it from the beginning, and people looking up to me, is still a, in my career at this time. Having Canada will be my sponsor for since '94, um, they still uh, they still take care of me as a professional. Um, and as a professional, I always known that it's, you know if it's your job, you gotta you know you gotta ride your bike every day. And uh, and living here in LA, um, when you ride, there's nobody out there, and you got to think that man this is my job and I have to, you know, and those are their jobs. And, and, uh, so I got, I'm just really thankful just to be able to still do it. And, um, you know, to do it as, you know, as, as a job, you know, um, you know, you know, cause there's, when you think of everybody around California, I mean this, you know, there's no cyclists that do it for a living and, you know, and, you know, that's a, that's kind of a big honor for me to be still doing it, you know, at my age. And, uh, getting to put my helmet on and put my nitro or put my gear on and and going out and doing this every day is uh you know and and you know canada will give me the best bikes i mean you know that's pretty good motivation um uh, and you know so i'm i'm pretty i'm you know to be at 59 is, and doing it you know as a professional this long um you know i i don't want to wake up and hopefully this is you know i just want to keep it as a dream and uh And, you know, my goal is now is that if I made it to 59, I'm hoping to make it to 62 as a professional. That's kind of my goal. Yeah. Uh, Because in this way, I could start collecting money. And and I could, you know, I could, if I don't have a job as racing, at least I'll be able to survive with the money I'll be collecting from unemployment and stuff like that. Yeah. Or social security, I mean.
0: Right. Well, have you been able to avoid injury, would you say? Is that... Uh, something that 's allowed you to ride a long time or or do you recover fast from injury
1: i think it has been uh been lucky i've been very lucky i mean i had some uh, i had some close calls in in my past i remember having a uh fracturing I mean, again, uh what did i have happen to me i did something to my hip i uh i got a hairline fracture or something like that. And it was pretty serious, and I couldn't move on this race. It was a local race. It was in Mexico, and I fell. I just went over the bars, and I just got just tossed like a slingshot, and this landed on my my head and then my back, and then next thing I know, I just couldn't move. I had to almost drag myself off a little bit off to the side just with my arm just because that little pinch or whatever was hurting me in my leg or my hip was uh it was so painful and i never you know never felt that pain and so you know then i had to get in a truck and then the truck was off road and then i had to fill every little bump in the, tr- the truck yeah. laying in the back bed
2: oh.
1: and uh didn't know what was wrong with me and um i had blood coming out of me in my arm or something like that it was just a freak fall and uh it was leading the race and i just you know something just launched me over my bars i bounced off a rock or something and i was getting kind of had some good speed going uh, cuz i had a little slight downhill and then it was a rise up in the hill and then it was a rise going down and i think when i went over this hill there was i think i got just hit a rock and it, somehow my suspension just kicked at the right time uh-huh. to just throw me over the bars and and then after that i you know got home and you know they they couldn't do anything to me because it was you know it was a fracture so uh so I'm trying to recover from that. And I, you know, I'm on, uh, just, you know, crutches or not even crutches, one of those walkers and, um, and just couldn't move off a couch. And, um, and then finally when I was able to, after weeks, I go on my bike and I'm slowly recovering. And then I ended up falling again and doing, landing on my other side of my hip. Oh my goodness. And it was, <laughs> and it was like almost putting everything away. And then I'll say, well, we got to keep this stuff out yeah. <laughs> because you got a couple more weeks of more healing to do on your other hip. So that was really a nightmare for me at that time in my career. Um, but yeah, I, I bounced back and I think I recover still in, in good time, uh, probably under two months. You know, for sure. You know, um, and uh, so yeah. But after that, I just think more and more about everything that could possibly happen when I'm riding. I think about anything and everything. I always think about doors opening on roads. Mm, I think about, I think about, Oh, you know, anything that could happen. I think I look at that accident that you don't want that accident to happen. So I even visualize an accident happening that I don't want to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you're cautious. You, You don't, you don't let the fear like overwhelm you. It doesn't sound like you just are like that could happen. I need to avoid it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think about all the things that could happen I don't want to happen now. And so, yeah, so I'm extra, extra uh, careful about riding my bike every day now, um, you know, because and I I don't, you know, try to do anything uh, extra crazy as far as training or riding my mountain bike. I don't do anything like anything that's too technical. I don't I avoid all that stuff now. I just I, I would rather just walk it or not even be there or do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna, you know, do anything for my career, mm-hmm. and it, you know, it's not gonna give me anything bigger or make me any kind of big superstar. So I just prefer to save myself. You know, I mean, racing too. Um, there's guys that do crazy stuff that I won't even do in my race, and I just go, well, you know, I'm I'm not gonna chase after him because that's just way too gnarly for me, and and, uh, and so I'll lose time, and it's okay for me because you know, it's just I'm as out here to just you know have fun but also want to finish the race and survive
2: mm-hmm.
1: and not get hurt you know so um you know to me winning a race if it's i'm not going to you know take all those risks just to win a race and uh, and like ruta there's a lot of things that could happen in la ruta for instance uh and i already know that as soon as they take off they're like, bye i'm not going to chase you i'm going to ride my own pace and right. be safe and, and not crash yeah you know and uh there's a lot of things that could happen in la ruta that that I, you know, I'm, I just know that I can not do, and I won't take any chances to stay with these guys. And these guys, they, they don't care. They just have no fear and they do it. And right. it's, it's just not me anymore.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds like your thinking has changed, you know, as you've gotten older. So what do you know now that you wish you had known when you were competing in your twenties?
1: I just p- probably just wish I would be a little bit more, uh, more uh better in my technical writing you know i mean there's you know guys that are just so much better than me now um you know drop posts are now more popular because people Uh, yeah people are more into saving every second every every chance they can i don't think of that i don't i just like you know i i feel like i could go just as fast as they are i see when i watch them in front of me when they're dropping their seat posts and when they're using it and, and they're not really making that much gang, but then we're not on a trail that I wouldn't do That's super, you know, if they're on the super technical section, then, you know, that drop poster will definitely work for them because I am not trying to stay up with them. So I see the big advantages on, you know, on a lot of uh, technical courses, but, uh, but, and, you know, and I, and I totally see, you know, how they're, you know, making up time and saving time and all that. So, um, so yeah. There is an advantage with it, but like I say, you know I'm not the type that you know, if this gets too hairy, I don't care if i have, I wouldn't even a drop seat post is not gonna make me go any make it make me want to take that section or do it, you know any different so um yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, well, it's working, so you've raced bikes all over the world. Where are your favorite places to ride just for fun?
1: Wow, you know it seems like everywhere I go it's just a new place and it's new trails and uh um I just enjoy just going into a you know into new uh, new cities and and new places just to ride. It's always uh, it's always something that is exciting for me. Um you know I've been to Europe a lot and uh I I ride in Spain and I enjoy Spain. I've been in Austria and I think Austria is just you know like a picture, you know it looks like a picture to me. It is so beautiful. And uh and you know so it's you know, I just just getting a chance to ride in these places is just an honor and it's just a dream. You know, I mean I get out of here, leave the city here and don't see cars and don't see stress and don't have to deal with glasses or, you know, broken bottles and right. homeless people and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I go anywhere it's like paradise, you know. So <laughs> so yeah. So for me it's just, you know, it's just an honor to really see, you know, other places and, and just to get a chance to ride on their trails and uh and enjoy their, you know, in their places and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it.
1: So it's all beautiful. I mean, I mean, like Utah's beautiful, you know, and, uh, you know, there's so many places I would like to live different, but you know, I choose here, my family's here and I'm just lucky to be able to go there and spend a weekend just to ride on their, you know, in their beautiful place where they ride at. And there's sometimes where I almost like to take even a small little vacation to go there and train you know just because it's so nice you know yeah and uh yeah so yeah there's everywhere that I've been to is usually a beautiful place you know yeah even the badlands in uh, north dakota is even beautiful you know so it's all nice. You know, I get to ride their beautiful trails and it's an, it's really, it's really a, for me, I'm really thankful just to be able to get that opportunity. So, um, yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great.
1: It makes, it makes riding fun, you know, uh, because it's so beautiful and it's exciting and it's a different kind of a challenge. And, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned that you're 59 years old. And so the last question I want to ask you is how do you plan to celebrate your 60th birthday next year?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, once I turn 60, there ain't no more fifties left. So <laughs> right. 60 and up, and yeah, those numbers are going to get higher. Um, I don't know. I, you know, we were, we thought when I turned 50, it was going to be a big, bla- uh, big deal. And, uh, mm-hmm. and actually, you know, um, when I turn 60, I, I really don't have any big plans. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to continue riding professionally. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, sign with Canada for another couple more years and, uh, and, uh, you know, shoot for my goal to be 62. And, uh, if I turn 62 and whatever happens with my career at that point, it's going to be all, you know, it's all going to be all good for me. Yeah. Um, so 60 is not a, it's not the, not my picture of, you know, celebrating much <laughs> except just happy that I'm still doing what I love to do is riding my bike and, uh, and taking care of my kid and taking care of, you know, just, you know, just surviving each day.
0: Yeah. Right on. Well, Tinker, thanks so much for taking the time to talk. Um, and we really wish you the best of luck in your races this year and, uh, through the rest of your career. So thanks.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. It was good talking with you. Uh, thank you for all the cool questions and all that good stuff too.
0: All right. Well, that's all
2: we've got this week. Talk to you again next week.